Coming up on podcast 1529, Tesla's V4 supercharger design begins to emerge. We get our first look. Stick around and I'll tell you what I know. Also on the podcast today, three truck makers get together to build an EV charging network. We have a first look at the Xpeng G9 SUV, all electric, and Octopus Energy expand into the US with an EV leasing business for Texas. Stick around. Those stories and a lot more to discuss today. Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you're listening around the world. Welcome to EV News Daily, your trusted source of EV information for Tuesday, 12th of July. My name is Martin Lee. I go through every EV story, so you don't have to. We'll start with the headline story, Tesla's Supercharger V4 has been in development for a while now. The final design may just be ready, but we are still piecing things together. Information from various sources showing how it could look and what dimensions it could have. Very much like the Mega Charger. If you ever saw pictures of those, well, you know, it's a similar, I would say, similar design to the existing Tesla Superchargers, which, you know, they look like, right, but with the sides filled in. That makes sense. With a solid back and a solid front and the cable coming out of the side. So the Supercharger V4 looks like it could be a slightly smaller version of the Mega Charger. We get the dimensions of it as well. Now, although a Twitter user that posted some details doesn't have actual photos, only measurements, if you look at how it compares to the current V3 with the schematics that were posted online, uh, the V4 Superchargers will be taller but they'll be thinner and have a smaller footprint. The rollout of V4 could happen sometime Q3 onwards, say insiders. Now, Drive Tesla Canada actually have a picture of it, but they can't post it because they say that if they did, it would compromise their source. So we take them at their word on that. They say one of the first real hints of the new V4 superchargers came from the former high-ranking executive, Jerome Guillen, uh, during the company's Q3 earnings call in 2020 when they said they were working on a 350-kilowatt technology. Now, unfortunately, uh, the Twitter user that posted the details uh, doesn't have the final design but drive tesla canada they say uh, did obtain a photo of the v4s but to protect the identity of our source we can't publish the photo we can describe it though they say the v4 superchargers look exactly like the semi mega chargers installed at giga nevada and the frito-lay factory in modesto you might be thinking that they received a photo of a mega charger Uh, scaled down a little bit, but there are differences between the V4 superchargers and that, like where the connector docks on the side. They don't have an exact date for V4 rollout, but they say before then, V3s should get a software-enabled bump in speed up to 324 kilowatts. Now, we'll wait and see whether those V4 superchargers come with CCS or the Tesla plug. At the minute, it's really up in the air, and it depends on Cybertruck. You know, if Cybertruck ships with a CCS combo plug, and that's how they do DC fast charging, uh, then I think V4 superchargers will come with CCS rather than the Tesla plug. Maybe they'll go down the route of adapters. Of course, over here in Europe, they, they went the whole hog and went CCS, which is interesting. And then people bought uh, Chatamo adapters or they had their car uh, upgraded. They went back and had a, uh, a hardware change uh, in order to use CCS. So I think anything's up in the air with Tesla. I think there are uh, no things that they won't touch. They'll do what's right for the long-term uh, company and drivers, and so we'll wait and see. But it'd be very, it would be huge news if they went with the CCS connector, not the Tesla connector. Uh, you know, and also mainly because I think the Tesla connector is quite elegant and high-powered and small and all those things. But there we go. 
Now, let's talk about three truck makers building an EV charging network. That would be Volvo Trucks, Volkswagen's Trayton Group, and Mercedes-Benz Daimler Trucks. They formed a joint venture uh, aimed at truck charging as the three companies have introduced heavy electric trucks. The final step in forming the venture was completed a few days ago when Anja van Nissen was appointed as CEO. She'll be looking after things. Uh, the newly created joint venture plans to build and operate 1,700 charge points close to major highways and logistics hubs here in Europe, creating the necessary infrastructure for the transition to use heavy-duty semi-trucks on major routes. According to AutoWeek.com, they say the 500 million euro investment is believed to be the single largest investment in charging infrastructure for heavy-duty trucks ever in Europe. And it's happening as the truck makers behind the venture are now all rolling out long-distance electric semi-trucks ahead of the competition. Most recently, uh, she, the new CEO, uh, was CEO and chairman of the board of the European Electric Vehicle Charging Network, Lego, and brings a breadth of experience from the energy and charging industry sector to this new joint venture. Uh, it, they say that this new charging network for trucks will be reliable and accessible, be high performance as well, according to the press release. The lack of public charging infrastructure along major freight routes ranks highly with U.S. long-haul fleets in their reasons uh, for not being able to go all-electric yet with their Class 8 tractors. Uh, that and the limited range of the vehicles themselves, uh, they say, in uh, for the U.S. I'll pop a link to the fleet owner website, which has a discussion on that on their website. And staying with trucking, Scania delivering their first fully electric 64-ton truck, specially designed for transporting timber to Sweden's timber processor, the SCA. It offers a gross vehicle weight of 64 tonnes on the public roads and 80 tonnes on private roads. Now, Scania is looking beyond simply moving timber to paper mills and looking at battery electric trucks with extra long range and high weight classes. The vehicle uh, has an ABB charger for the 180 kilowatt charge speed. Uh, The paper mill which this particular vehicle will serve, is already virtually fossil-free because of the energy that it uses. And now they are electrifying the transport that gets the goods to the paper mill uh, to, say, 55 tonnes of CO2 a year with just this one truck, this one 64-ton all-electric truck that'll do seven round trips a day, I believe it was. I, I read in the background to this. 55 tons of CO2. Can't get my head around it. Like, it's just, uh, you know, for me, words on a page, and for you, my voice in your ears, 55 tons. I'm trying to put that into kind of some sort of comparison or real-world example. 55 tons of CO2 with one truck. This is why it's so important that we... Head towards zero emissions everywhere, not just in trucking, but with personal transport, not just in personal transport, uh, but in industry, not just in industry, but in home heating and cooling. My goodness, the job is so big, but let's not be overwhelmed because we can do it together and quickly as well. Now, let's talk in China about the Xpeng G9. That is an SUV. Unveiled battery and range details now leaking online. I say leaking. You know, the Chinese ministry, uh, the MIIT, they publish these documents when they are ready to publish them. Uh, 
because they're China, and that always gives us a clue to the car. The G9 from Xpeng will do 709 kilometers on a single charge. It'll cost 75,000 US dollars equivalent. There's two versions. Uh, the single motor version, 230 kilowatts. The big version uh, with all-wheel drive, 405 kilowatts. That's 550-plus horsepower. 800-volt high-voltage system. Charging at 480 kilowatts if you can find a charger quick enough. That is properly 200 Ks of range in five minutes. That is like five minutes. How long's this podcast so far? Eight minutes long, right? We're three minutes over adding 200 kilometers of range to that vehicle. Oh, it's just game over for combustion fuels when you charge that quickly. And that next generation of EVs isn't just round the corner. They're here now. Yes. Right. Let's talk a little bit about EV battery makers going small. Small, small, small is the way forward, according to this Reuters report. Battery startups expecting range to matter less as we move forward, as infrastructure gets developed. Which is why, when EV chargers become more ubiquitous, the quest for small batteries turns to be the next challenge. Startup firms around the world are experimenting with materials like silicon carbide, tungsten, and niobium. What's niobium? Uh, according to startup data platform PitchBook, EV battery technology investments jumped more than sixfold to 9.4 billion US dollars last year, from 1.5 billion the year before. EV makers, car makers, battery startups, all focusing on the future, and that is adding these exotic materials to create smaller batteries that charge very, very quickly. Now, you see, going small does a couple of things. Going small with your battery, in terms of the physical size, uh, eases the looming battery material bottleneck. As I've talked about, probably a little too much because it's quite specialist, uh, you know, to, to, to spin up a new mine dig a hole in the ground is three to five years uh, to or maybe more uh, to refine it is uh, and to then build those facilities for refinement is possibly three to five, maybe three to eight years and then sell gigafactory development to build those around the world it's at least three to five years to get a factory in place and we're looking at a battery shortage today like that when i put it in those terms i know i'm always hopefully as positive as possible with you on this podcast but when you put it in those terms we are facing not just a shortage of batteries for the next couple of weeks or couple of months or couple of years this is a really long-term problem because of how long-term the problem is. Anyway, I, I, I try not to dwell too much on uh, on that kind of stuff. It's all a bit uh, deep and nerdy. And uh, you know what? We'll, you know, there's some smart people working on this. We're going to be okay. Uh, and it's why batteries can be smaller if infrastructure is there. If we get fast-charging small batteries, then you have a 50-kilowatt-hour vehicle that'll do 250 miles, right? So nice and efficient, nice long range, but a small, lightweight battery that recharges in five minutes. Why do you want to carry around a battery that'll go six or 700 miles in one sitting if, you know, the infrastructure is there and it's reliable and it's quick? Ah, yes. That is the big if, though, isn't it? Uh, well, Going small on batteries does many things. It eases the demand on things like cobalt and nickel. China dominate those, for instance. There's lots of reasons, politically, why you would want to wean yourself off those. So that's the uh, that's the focus for many battery startup makers, right? Coming soon, we'll talk about Zika and also tarmac. That's right, electric trucks to lay roads. Stick around, and those stories are on the way.
Now we'll talk about my electricity provider. That'll be Octopus Energy. And my first choice of how to charge my car, that'll be Octopus Electric Juice. And if I was an employee of this podcast, of which I'm not, uh, okay, so I do it and run it and own it and stuff, but I'm not I'm not an employee. I don't take a salary from this podcast. <laughs> Maybe I should. Um, I would perhaps look at leasing a vehicle uh, as an employee. If, I, if this podcast employed me as PAYE status, maybe I would look at leasing a vehicle because then I could perhaps do something like octopus leasing because they do that as well with Octopus Electric Vehicles. Now, Octopus EV moving not just away from the UK uh, at a breakneck speed here, but also into the US. Vehicle leasing will be offered through a new US business now called Octopus Electric Vehicles in the US. It launched over here in 2018. And, you know, if you can do... Uh, so. I won't get I won't get too nerdy about this, but there's something over here called salary sacrifice. In other words, before you pay your tax to the government, they let you do some things with your paycheck. One of those is to put money into your pension. You can put 40 grand a year into your pension before they get involved in taking some money off you for tax. And it's the same with the ride to work scheme for bikes, and it's the same for this scheme with cars. So over here we have a tax incentive that if you lease your car not buy it, but you pay monthly for your electric vehicle um, through Octopus Electric Vehicles. Say, I'll use a round number. Say the lease for that vehicle is £1,000 a month. And say you are you know, a 40% taxpayer. Effectively, you pay £600 a month for that same lease of the vehicle because you get to use that money in your paycheck before the government get their sticky little fingers on it and the tax man says, well, you can use this pre-tax money. That's like, that's the, hopefully the short version. I think they're still quite long. But either way, uh, over here, we have lots of good reasons to do that and lease a vehicle. In the US, they're going to call it EV Concierge. Octopus saying their concierge team provide everything for a customer beginning in Texas. They call it the white glove service. So if you want to be an EV driver in Texas and you can go to Octopus Energy and choose from their selection of vehicles. Now, obviously, as a big company, what they can do is they can go and order 50 Teslas at a time, 50 Polestars at a time. Uh, The UK Octopus Electric Vehicles, they must have 30 or 40 cars that you can choose from. Everything from the Fiat 500, Cabriolet, soft top, good this time of year, all the way through to Porsche Taycans and Audi e-tron GTRSs. And so they can buy them uh, en masse. They get a good deal, but obviously they get to do that six months in advance because that's their business. So when you come along to Octopus and say, hey, I'd like to lease a vehicle from you, the availability might surprise you how good it is. Now, in the US, they will begin this in Texas, like I say, uh, where they have... uh, uh, an ability to hold your hand from beginning to end, educate you on EV ownership, even put the charger in, etc., etc., uh, and integrate you into a smart energy tariff so the car charges overnight when it is the cheapest possible. And goodness knows me, does the, the Texas, the Texan grid uh, need some help. Now, Zika, don't talk about it much. It's Geely, so in other words, Volvo, Polestar, that company. Uh, it's their um, premium bit, uh, their subsidiary, Zika. Uh, are going to upgrade existing cars. They've been selling the 001, um, uh, but it's got it uses a computer chip inside it that is struggling a bit with what they want to do with the software. So they said to all of the customers that have bought the car, come back and we will put the latest Qualcomm chip inside it. Uh, unlike the current mainstream 
EVs that use the Qualcomm 8155 chips. Uh, they used an outdated one, they say, and they've realized that error as the customers take the car back and Zika will upgrade physically the hardware, and put the new Qualcomm chip inside. There's 177% more CPU computing power, 94% more GPU, and that is all being done for free. That is very, very good. Now, EVs that meet a new standard can deliver AC power to the grid. A new standard for electric vehicle equipment delivered by the uh, developed by the Society of Automotive Engineers, the SAE, and is designed to enable EVs that fit this standard to feed AC power back onto the electricity grid. It's called the SunSpec Alliance, developing guidance for how to implement the standard. And they've announced the guidance is now ready for use in test situations. The SAE approach for EVs is known as V to G AC. And the approach for EV charging is V to G DC, according to PV Magazine USA. They write, the SunSpec guidance is designed to assist manufacturers of EVs and EV chargers, as well as operators and system integrators, to implement SAE standards together with communications protocols developed by the Global Engineering Institute, the IEEE. Uh, this is known as IEEE 2030.5. So there you go. Some more standards uh, for feeding AC power back into the grid from our cars. And let's face it, we all want to be part of that solution. What about the roads on which we drive? Well, the company Tarmac uh, are buying battery electric mixers. The first one's delivered in August. The all-electric concrete mixer uh, will be put to work at the Birmingham site, supplying construction materials across the West Midlands uh, by utilising information uh, from their fleet, their telematics, if you like. They can match the delivery profile. They know very well where their concrete mixing trucks go day in, day out. Uh, So they know they had to spec their electric ones for 120 kilometres of range, but also the power that it takes uh, to mix the drum, to keep the drum going on the back. Uh, They want to fast charge it in about one and a half hours. It's got a 265 kilowatt hour battery. It's a 26 ton Renault Trucks E-Tech D-Wide, in case you're wondering what they're using. I don't know that vehicle, but there you go. Uh, The batteries provide a very low center of gravity. It improves stability as well, they say. And the speed of the drum can even be computer controlled so much more accurately because it's running off electric power, depending on the different types of mix. Like, oh, oh, I love a good mix. Love a good concrete mix in the back. There you go. Right, final story. BP and Tyson Group, uh, that's a steelmaker, have signed an agreement to focus on developing low-carbon hydrogen and renewable power in steel production. Now, this is hydrogen, my friends. I get told by the hydrogen lobby that that's the future for driving our cars. No, it's not. Really? Really? Hydrogen is not the future for personal transport. But it probably is here. You see, steelmaking is something that affects every one of us that like EVs. Because if you like an EV and you want to buy a car, it's going to be made out of steel. And that steel is really, really bad for the planet. But no one talks about it because they look up, I don't know, uh, fuel pipe emissions versus zero emissions. But look, if you're going to make a vehicle and you make it steel, it's pretty terrible for the planet, which is why... We can use green hydrogen, not blue hydrogen, green hydrogen, zero emissions, generate it that way, and then use that renewable power in steel production. Now, Tyson Krupp Steel accounts for 2.5% of CO2 emissions in Germany. (laughs) That one company making steel in the whole country of Germany 
is 2.5% of their emissions for the country. That's how big a company they are. But also, that's how dirty steel production is. The blast furnaces need so much energy that at the minute they're using fossil fuels. If you replace coal-fired blast furnaces with direct reduction plants in which iron ore is reduced with low-carbon hydrogen, uh, they'll make steel production climate neutral. This is an enormous issue that never, never, ever gets talked about. I talked about it a year ago at a com- the MOVE event I was at. I was hosting a, confer- uh, a session uh, about this about supply chains and how the EV makers uh, are are pushing this as well. Because the big companies that want to go EV, the likes of Volkswagen, that are tracing their supply chains back, not just the batteries, to know exactly how they're mined, to make sure there's no bad practice in mining those materials out of the ground. Also with steel, uh, knowing exactly the carbon intensity of the steel they're buying and getting that down to be climate neutral. They are looking at options for green hydrogen to power uh, the plants from wind and solar as well. Uh, steel accounts for, I mean, the number varies between 8 and 11%, but so let's call it 10, right? Uh, steel is 10% of global CO2 emissions. So this is no small thing that, that needs to be done uh, alongside going to EV for our day-to-day miles, how our vehicles are made. Goodness me, that was a... Uh, that was a kind of in-depth podcast today, right? It wasn't all shiny new cars and things to talk about and, and what Elon Musk said on Twitter. That was some good stuff we talked about today. I like that one. That's your podcast for today. Question of the week takes a wee break for a while, but it will return. Uh, thank you very much to our premium partners on Patreon. Phil Roberts of Electric Future. Couldn't do it without you, Brad Crosby, one of the most long-term supporters of this show. Porsche of the Village in Cincinnati. Audi of Cincinnati East. Volvo Cars of Cincinnati East. National Car Charge on the US mainland and Aloha Charge in Hawaii. Derek Riley from the EV Review Island YouTube channel. Richard at rsev.co.uk for buying and selling EVs in the UK. Octopus Electric Juice, making public charging simple with one card, one map and one app. And milbrookcottages.co.uk, five-star luxury cottages in Devon. Get yourself booked in. Thanks for listening, Cinemory. And remember, there is no such thing as a self-charging hybrid.